Well, the 2018 season most definitely underway now. Races from coast to coast, even though we're dealing with a bunch of crazy weather. But the only place that's not racing yet is anywhere north of the border or at least up where near the American-Canadian border. California, though, is pretty solid. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 22 of the EKN Debrief. We are recording here on April the 17th. The show will air April 20th for the first time on the EKN Radio Network. We're glad that you're joining us. The event that we will break down today here in the debrief, the championship weekend of the Challenge of the Americas in Sonoma, California. It was a gorgeous weekend for the most part, but the bottom line is a solid start to the Challenge of the Americas in terms of their uh, Rock Cup uh, USA program. Three great events this year, and, and we capped things off at Sonoma last weekend. This week's show brought to you by Nitro Kart. If you've got a racer just starting out in cadet racing or already racing but ready to take it to the next step on the podium, you need a Nitro Kart. 2018 has already seen Nitro Kart drivers score wins in SCUSA, WKA, and USPKS competition, and even more at the club level. Whether you're racing two-cycle or four-cycle, Nitro Kart has you covered with the best cadet chassis on the market. Nitro Kart, race one or chase one. So let's jump into the overview at the debrief, episode number 22. My name is Rob Howden. Great to have you here on the EKN Radio Network, or whether you're listening uh, from the podcast you downloaded from Podbean or iTunes. I am joined, as always, by David Cole. Uh, David, uh, a pretty solid weekend in California, nice warm weather for us. Not so much on what was that, what was about, what, the 12-hour flight home in terms of travel day yesterday? Yeah, yeah, twelve. Yeah, it was not a fun day yesterday. Uh, getting you got lucky. Get, I got lucky. You got lucky. You really did get lucky. Uh, Delta it almost screwed bad. me over. Uh, thankfully, they yeah. did not. Um, obviously, they had delays with Minneapolis getting shut down Saturday, so a lot of their uh, uh, logistics was still catching up Monday morning. And uh, luckily, I was able to get home uh, last night at one a.m. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I rolled in at about one thirty myself. Just absolutely crazy. David, it's uh, April 17th here in Ontario, as it is everywhere else, but 28 degrees outside my place and snowing right now. In years past, we'd be on track. We'd be driving right now. But this this cold streak, the snap that's coming through and dropping snow everywhere is ridiculous. Like you said, uh, Minneapolis getting shut down, flat shut down. Uh, it's just this is unbelievable. This is crazy. I yeah, I saw on Facebook somebody had their full carding helmet suit on while doing the uh, snow blowing because they were anticipating <laughs> to go to the racetrack that day. So it's it it's a uh, it's definitely a weird season uh, weather wise uh, in the United States. On the flip side, as you and I break down the championship weekend of the Challenge of the Americas here on this debrief, uh, Sonoma, California was pretty nice. You know, we rolled out of the uh, out of the airport on Thursday, and it was mid sixties. We hit In and Out Burger; it was perfect. Nice little drive up to Nevada to the hotel. Friday and Saturday, just nice weather. You know, it was sixty degrees at the start of the day. We got into the the low seventies on both uh, Friday and Saturday. Some rain came on Sunday. Um, there's always seems to be a threat of rain when, when we're there in April. But David, overall, just a beautiful weekend for us. It was like California dreaming, man. We rolled around, you know, through the San Francisco area. Uh, if we had a top, we probably put it would have put it yes, down because it was it was great to get that weather. I mean, Cal Speed wasn't exactly uh, uh, a lot of warmth. It was a lot of sunshine, just not a lot of warmth. 
Phoenix uh, wasn't exactly, you know, your Phoenix weather, but it was still good to be uh, out of the snow. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, the last last two weeks for me travel wise has been snow, sun, rain, snow, <laughs> sun, rain, snow. Yeah. All in that, all kind of in that order. And you'd have to believe in on an April race, you were going to come home to spring in Grand Rapids. I'm sorry to say that, uh, like like me and like yourself, uh, no, no spring yet. You will have to wait. No spring for you. I've been waiting to do the yard work. I guess I can keep putting that off now. That's true. That's true. You can do that. Uh, let's just talk about this cool weekend in terms of the fact that, you know, you know, we talked about it a lot during the EKN live broadcast too. a rebirth this year in 2018 for the Rock Cup program. As after 10 years of running the Rotax Max program, Andy Saisman bringing in the Rock Package, uh, the Rock Cup USA Association for 2018. That changes the overall price structure from those tickets to the Rotax Grand Finals to the tickets to the Rock Cup International Final at South Guardi in October. Really, that was what was up for grabs uh, going in this weekend. And there was a lot of people that were very excited and very focused and motivated to get to South Garda. The Rock Cup International Final, I've been there, a tremendous race. And you could see it in, the, in everybody's eyes when we were going into Championship Sunday. They wanted that ticket. All six of the drivers that did end up winning, I think this will be their first time going to the event. So that's that's kind of what, what one of the sparks of, of going to something new, something unique that you've never been to. And then just the fact of going to an international event such as the Rock Cup International Final is is just an honor in itself, not only to win the championship, but to get this ticket. Uh, the micro champion getting a ticket to the Rock the Rio event in Las Vegas in November, as did uh, the vice champion and the third place finisher in the other Rock Cup c- categories. So if you won, you're going to Rock Cup International Final, second and third, and the micro champion going to the Rock the Rio uh, in Las Vegas in November. Let's talk turnout, David, because you know a brand new program um, launches with 62 Rock entries at Phoenix, goes 73 Rock entries at Cal Speed and an increase to 78 rock entries uh, here at Sonoma. I think we were hoping for more. I think I would like to have seen us top 100, especially going into an area with a local, you know, a new local Rock Cup series at Sonoma. That wasn't the case. But nonetheless, steady growth throughout the uh, throughout the whole season, which was a, a definitely a positive. It, it was a positive. Uh, the, rock, the rock numbers increasing uh, almost 10%. So it was a it was a good trend in the upwards for that, uh, and I think that's something that we'll see continue uh, next year. Uh, one of the the kind of one of the big factors into why the numbers weren't as high was was po- partly due to the Briggs program. Uh, we had there was basically no support, um, and I think you kind of have to factor in how last year we had a lot of good big numbers in that those categories because we had a lot of drivers who ran both um, the Rotax and the Briggs. Uh, this year, not so much. Um, we didn't. We we actually lost. You know, a lot of drivers who did both. A lot of those drivers didn't even come back to the program. So, um, you know, the numbers were. I mean, overall positive. So that's that's the one thing you have to look at. It was just. It was just. There was no Briggs support this weekend, uh, like we saw in the first two weekends, which which is kind of weird because we're we're seeing the uh, the Operation Grassroots program growing big in uh, in the NorCal area. Yeah, and I think, Dave, that's what kind of what it plays to. If you look at the numbers, you know, we were at 85 total. Uh, the first round uh, at Phoenix, we had 23 drivers in Briggs. Second round was 20. We ended up with seven. So if you look at the seven compared to the first weekend at 23, you know, there's your 16 difference. That puts 85 to 101. 
So the simple drop in the in the Briggs category throughout the three rounds really did uh, stymie what could have been a, a you know an over hundred uh, entry event. Now I think the other thing too is you look at being in Southern California uh, where. You know, Phoenix had some more crossover. You had a bunch of guys come out and race. Southern California at Cal Speed, there are guys that you know are racing on the Bridgestone tire. NorCal has decidedly become an Avinco kind of region. So all those KPX drivers who already have a ton of racing to do up there as it is didn't want to jump over. I think you probably buy a set of Bridgestones to come and race the event, which is a shame. Would have been nice to have twenty or thirty guys come out and run. But I understand kind of the you know the dynamic. We always talk about people not wanting to buy that extra set of tires if they're not going to use it for the rest of the year. Yeah. But again, you know, when a big program comes into your area, you know, like we've talked about it, it, there's just not that mentality of, I want to go beat the best because, you know, again, the, the, the challenge brings a number of top drivers and you, you need to be on your game in order to win there. And, and we see, we see it weekend and week out, uh, especially even in the Briggs category. So, you know, it's just, just that factor of, you know, I want to go race against the best. It just doesn't seem to quite sit, uh, in people's uh, mentality today? Uh, looking at the numbers, the, the category numbers for the different classes, for me, you know, the growth of the, the Rock Jr. class, I think was great. 15 at the first two races. Uh, then we had 20 this past weekend. Same goes for Rock Shifter Masters. Three at Phoenix, five at Cal Speed, nine at Sonoma. So growth for the shifter cart categories as well within that Rock program and the Challenge of the Americas. Yeah, that's something we've talked about, uh, that the Rock Shifter Package is a solid program uh, that's getting getting a lot of notice uh, with a lot of shifters around the country, and especially in NorCal. Um, I think that was one of the, the, the senior and the master's programs were probably one of the bigger event, uh, ca- classes that they've had at uh, Rock Sonoma program over the first two rounds. So so we knew we were going to see some good numbers there because there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in shifter that love to shift you know love to race shifters they don't want to go down back to the single speed stuff and you know we saw we saw uh, you know some guys uh, come up from Cal Speed that 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 began down there and we saw some new guy a lot of new guys new faces uh, that weren't with the program uh, all season long. I think that's that speaks volumes in, in terms of what we're going to see uh, when we roll out the 2019. Uh, Challenge of the Americas, very likely in Arizona to start things off again in January. I would expect that we'll be back at Phoenix for the season opener. Uh, and again, that, this is going to essentially be nine months now uh, for the Rock Cup program to continue to develop and fuel itself in certain areas to then develop that pool of drivers who will be looking to kind of get the season off with a, with a cool spring training program uh, in Southern California, at least in the Southwest with, uh, with California and Arizona. All right. So pretty decent weekend overall, 85 entries, as we said, and an increase in the rock cup uh, entries. When we get back from this break, David and I are going to go into the paddock pass and talk a little bit about what we saw from the paddock, from our place in the Cooper tire broadcast center. And as, uh, on the event on the whole stick with us more to come here on episode 22 of the EKN debrief. After taking on the highly anticipated Florida Winter Tour, remaining promoted events by Rock Cup USA include the Rock Festivals and Rock the Rail event. In May, join us at the NOLA Rock Festival at NOLA Motorsports Park in Avondale, Louisiana. It's set for May 17th through 20th. The NOLA Festival will see the Rockers take to one of the best facilities in the country and undoubtedly a race favorite. The second Rock Festival will be at Oakland Valley Raceway Park in Cuddybackville, New York, and will take place July 19th through the 22nd. 
Full podiums at both events will receive Rock the Rio entry, while race winners at the OVRP Festival will also receive coveted Rock International Finals tickets, provided they participated in both festivals. The crown jewel of the 2018 schedule will see the Rockers from around the world descend on the fabulous city of Las Vegas at the Rio All Suite Casino and Hotel. The first annual Rock the Rio event will award upwards of $35,000 in cash over the seven rock classes. For more information on all Rock Cup USA promoted events, please visit www.rockcupusa.com. Welcome back to episode 22 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole as we break down the final weekend, the championship weekend of the Challenge of the Americas. We were up in Sonoma, California, and uh, some great racing for sure. And the track obviously always kind of plays to that awesome racing. Uh, again, into the Paddock Pass now, presented by Cartlift. 15 years of bringing racers the best karting products is what Cartlift is all about. Whether it's the industry-leading winch lift, motorized car, uh, lift stand, our stand-up tire changer, or our chassis skid plates, you can be sure that our products are well thought out and designed to make your race weekend more productive and to save wear and tear on your body and equipment. Cart lift, cart stands, built in the USA, built to last. David, into the paddock pass here right now. Let's just talk about the racing first and foremost. Uh, Sonoma's badass. I, I love going up there. I know the paddock's not big enough for really not big enough for major, major races, but man, that track just always plays to incredible side-by-side racing. It really does. That, I mean, that's kind of one of the key components of why we go there, uh, why the challenge goes there, why a number of other uh, traveling programs go there. It's just no matter which direction you go in there, there's just great racing that's produced because of the racetrack and just the way it's laid out. And, and it obviously provides a lot of drama as we saw throughout the weekend. Uh, my view on the racing, I, I, I thought it was fairly impressive. I think that the senior drivers raced hard. I think the, the mini uh, rock drivers raced hard. Uh, there was some issues, a little, you know, some, some contact in the junior classes, you know, for the most part, fairly impressive racing. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, the starts they kept them slow, so there weren't uh, too too many issues. Maybe one or two uh, starts that we saw some some major contact or some some major issues with with drivers having against each other. Uh, other than that, um, you know, like you said, there 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 was some contact here and there, but uh, you know, penalties were laid down in certain. Certain aspects, um, you know, overall it was it was pretty clean racecraft, and, and I think you get the clean racecraft plus you pair that with uh, I don't want to say an over aggressive uh, race official, you know, kind of platform, but but they called it. They were calling avoidable contact penalties, which I think was good. I think that when you when you have guys like Taylor Jocelyn and Mark Michione, uh, veteran industry members and, and race officials, they're calling stuff and they're, you know, and they're also, and they're using video. If you had that GoPro, you could bring that video in and, and they were able to use those videos to kind of really get a good feel for it. And yeah, you know, 85 entries, it's not a 200 and something entry uh, event where it's just chaos in terms of being all this video and all these protests. There really weren't a lot of protests. There was a, there was a handful of them. Uh, they looked at video and, and they made the calls. I was happy to, he- to see avoidable contact penalties because when that happens there's got to be repercussions there's got to be that you know that that penalty if you decide to drive that way don't forget angel mata too as well he's been uh, 
He's been part of the, uh, the, the race staff there, uh, overseeing right. with, with Mark and, and Taylor for the last couple of years now. Um, and, and also they, they, they knew when to not make a call. Uh, we had an incident where a lapper was, was racing the leaders and got punted off the track. And it's like, if you get the blue flag for th- two laps in a row, move over and get out of the way. I mean, we all know, you know how to look behind you get out of the way. And so a driver decided to move him out of the way and that's what happened. And they, they left it alone because he, he wouldn't, he was impeding the, uh, the, the race for the lead. Yeah, I agree. That was a great call because that was coming down into turn number seven, uh, the right-hander. I, I don't think, I think they call that Monaco, I think. Whatever it is, it's, it's that right-hander coming down in the infield where, you know, you've got to get a good run through there. And you're right, the lap car was right in the middle of the racing line, punted off, and not, and not, and not punted off the racetrack. You know, punted it hard enough to go just maybe drop a couple of wheels and continue because, as you said, uh, they were, you know, not heeding the blue flag. And you're right, I thought that was a really, really good call. Um, we talk about the racetrack, David. Uh, you know, it really does promote clean overtaking because a lot of the corners you need to make that wide entry. When you make the wide entry, that opens the inside pass, which of course allows the over under. Uh, we saw a lot of great passes like that, but you know, tic tac toe probably one of the more famous corner complexes in American karting. Always fun to watch guys pound, you know, pound over the curbs and really work it hard. Man, it it actually bit a bunch of drivers this year, Dave. How many guys and drivers do we see end their races? And guys and girls, obviously, because Hannah Greenmeyer was part of it. How many guys and girls do we see off just on the exit of tic-tac-toe having dropped chains? That was tough. I think the proper terminology was toe-tac-tick uh, going in the reverse <laughs> direction. So There's no way I was doing that all weekend. No, no, no. no I, know, I, I know. I just like to say that because it's fun. Uh, yeah, I believe, I think it was the junior race on Saturday. I, I just happened to make my way over there on the exit. And I think it was three straight laps. Somebody lost a chain. And it's, you know, it's just yeah. a combination of, of the, the amount of force that the, you know, slamming the curbs and, and coming over it and the angle of the cart and every, you know, just all of that combination, just, just, you know, chains are just like no more. <laughs> well, and as everybody knows, who's listening to this debrief as a driver, that's almost the worst sound you can ever hear is that yeah, engine. Just yeah, it was, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a terrible feeling. There's no doubt about it, but it's just, oh, you know, again, man. just, there's just something about the, the the angle of that. I don't think you get that so much going in the in the normal river, uh, national direction. It, it's just you know it's just that yeah. load of going up the hill and and tr- and full gas, the g forces, every you know all that combination. It's just it just the chains just can't take that. And speaking of Hannah Greenmeyer, super tough for her because it, she was actually leading the main event on Saturday when it happened. Yeah, we we've seen. I think we've seen that before, where a leader is uh, out front, and and the chain just decides to let go at that that moment, and it's always tough, um, you know, and especially tough if it happens to you more than once on the weekend, which I think we saw a couple of people have that happen. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's it's a tough go because there's it's out of your control. There's there's really a, you know nothing you can do to to prevent that. Dave, in the first segment of this debrief, we talked about the numbers and the entries that we have uh, that we had at the, at the finale weekend. You you worked worked it a little bit and came up with a good stat looking at all the numbers in terms of of new entries that we essentially ran their first Rock Cup 
challenge race at Sonoma. Give us some insight on that because, you know, on, the, on our, our notes here, I, was, I found that very intriguing. Yeah, because again, you know, that's kind of the, the main focus of what Andy's trying to do is, is grow the rock package uh, program through throughout the Western part and especially at the challenge. And, and to see the, the amount of new, new faces that were at Sonoma rather than uh, that weren't at Phoenix or Cal speed was pretty good with, with 28 total drivers throughout the, uh, seven different cast classes that that's offered. That's 33% of the total that was there were new faces that hadn't been there uh, this season. So uh, it was especially big in junior where we saw nine. It was kind of a mixture of, of a lot of uh, NorCal regulars and, and a few drivers coming up from, from Southern California. So uh, it was good to see that there. And then, and as we talked about already, the shifter masters was good with five, uh, five new faces. Senior had five new faces. So, uh, you know, overall, it was it was good to see new people because hopefully we, you know, the event in, in Sonoma could maybe bring them uh, to be to Phoenix or Cal Speed or wherever the, uh, the, the series takes us at the early onset of uh, 2019. You know, I think as a, as a promoter, David, that's one of the things that uh, that you look at. You, you look at your individual races. Yeah, I had I had, uh, you know, 70 here, 80 here, 90 here. But in the end, when you sit back, you look at the total number of drivers that actually came. And, you know, oftentimes, as we know now, it's much higher because some drivers just somebody just did just Phoenix or just Phoenix and Cal Speed or just Sonoma. When you look at the total number of drivers uh, that actually have run in any particular series, then you say, hey, you know what? If I can get all of those guys to all of my races next year, there's my growth. So I think that uh, for Andy Saisman, uh, he can look at this and say, wow, you know what? I had I had. Consistent growth throughout the year, which is always important. We use that 10% number. Uh, you want that kind of growth you know, from year to year and from event to event if you can. Normally, series will fade off a little near the end as drivers are out of the championship decide they're not going to run. Another thing that you and I really don't understand, we figure you know, if you're going to run a series, run it through to the end. But for Andy, I think he'll be able to look back and say, you know what? I, I had over 100, maybe 110 drivers actually run the entire year. That allows him to go into 2019 saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep pushing hard because we're going to get back to 125 next year. Yes, that, that's exactly it. You know, like you said, the number overall was over 100 drivers, I think. So and that's something I didn't calculate. But I think looking at, you know, drivers who are just at Phoenix, drivers who are just at Cal Speed, drivers who are just at, at Sonoma, you know, it's it's a pretty good amount who of, of drivers who did one or two events. So. Uh, there's definitely room for growth. Like you said, it's, it's getting them now to come to all three races. Um, you know, that's something that Andy's going to obviously, uh, uh, review and, and examine, uh, over the next few months to, uh, to prepare for the 2019 season. Yeah. Lots, lots of time to, to put the strategy in for the, for 2019. Well, that wraps up our Paddock Pass brought to you by Cartlift. After this break, David and I are going to dive into the race report and we'll look at each each of the categories. We'll talk about the racing. We'll talk about the results. uh, And that'll be up after this break. If your dream is IndyCar, set your sights on the Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. The first step of the ladder system is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship powered by Mazda which prepares young drivers for the calculated jump to the Pro Mazda Championship presented by Cooper Tires, where increased power, grip, and aero downforce fast-track your training. The final rung is the Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires program. The 
last four Indy Lights champions will be racing in the Verizon IndyCar Series this year, so it's a proven formula. At all three levels, you will race at premier venues on the same weekends as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. Former Carters fill the roster of Mazda Road to Indy graduates like Spencer Piggott, Gabby Chavez, Zach Veach, Ed Jones, and 2017 Indy Lights champion Kyle Kaiser. Recent karting graduates like Oliver Askew are in the middle of their journeys as well. Follow in their footsteps. Fulfill your dream. If you want to race IndyCar, there is only one choice. The Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back to episode number 22 of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. If you're listening on the network or have downloaded the the podcast from iTunes once it goes up there, we're thrilled that uh, you've tuned in. April 17th, uh, our recording date, April 20th, Friday, the initial uh, airtime on the EKN Radio Network. Hope you're enjoying the broadcast so far. We're going to dive into the race report now where David and I will break down the categories individually. Uh, this week, the race report presented by VME Cart USA. Today's race report segment is brought to you by VME Cart USA, the company and brand that is taking the American karting scene by storm this year. VME Cart USA is winning on the East Coast and West Coast, and they just secured their first championships of 2018 thanks to Eric Jackson and Chase Gardner at the Challenge of the Americas. The new VME Cart chassis has a wide tuning window and works very well with all engine and tire platforms. To learn more, give them a follow on their social media platforms. Indeed, VME Cart getting a couple of championships, David. They were impressive uh, with a couple of drivers actually on the podium uh, throughout the weekend in the Rock Masters category. We'll get to that in a second. Let's start out with Rock Senior. Pretty good turnout of drivers. And for the first time, we saw Hannah Greenmeyer. Uh, the Hurricane wanted to come and have some fun at Sonoma. Scusa moved their race from Sonoma to Phoenix. So Hannah said, I want to race Sonoma at least once this year. She rolls down by herself and her dad with Mike Rollison, and they were great out of the box. Yeah, especially after missing, I believe, what was the first two practice sessions that they had. Uh, she They flew in early Friday morning, you know, and as we know, the, the drive up from San Francisco, Oakland area is to, uh, to Sonoma is a, is a bit of a drive. So it definitely takes time to get there. Uh, so again, but like she like they said, the reason why they were there, they love that racetrack, and and we've talked about it before already to, uh, on the show. Is it's a great track to drive. You you have to you have to go there at least once in in your karting career, and and she she's been a, a long time challenge competitor, uh, dating back I believe all the way to her micro days. So uh, you know she she her and her family are are, are big uh, supporters of Andy's program, and it was great to see them come back, and and like you said, just right out of the box, be quick. Yeah, she was super fast. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that she had a broken chain, uh, essentially leading and dominating the Saturday final. I think she would have very likely just walked away to the race win, but broken chain puts her on the sidelines. All of a sudden, that gives us this battle. We were watching that battle, awesome battle for second, third, and fourth, uh, David, between uh, Jake Drew, Michael Avancino, and Bajoy Garg. They were going back and forth to see who was going to get the final positions on the podium. Well, all of a sudden, Hannah's on the sidelines, and hey, guys, <laughs> this is a battle for the race win. It was super fun to watch, and it was really cool to see Bajoy Garg do so well in his very first senior race. Yeah, Bojoy, uh, uh, a local driver, 
along with Michael Avancino taking on Drew, who we saw dominate uh, at Cal Speed. So that kind of mixture along with, I believe, Nate Dean was in the mix as well for a little bit there. Uh, those guys just going, kind of going back and forth. Again, great racecraft, a lot of clean racing, a, little, a lot of respect for one another. Uh, ended up being Garg, uh, who claimed the victory. It, it was just good racing. Like, uh, you know, people, uh, we're actually going to air it on, on Thursday, so it would have been the day before this thing airs. But we, we have the EK and live broadcast, my play-by-play uh, on the network. We'll have it uh, uh, other times as well in the next uh, week, or, week or two. You got to listen to that race because, oh, man, both, actually both races uh, in, in senior were just crazy. But, David, you know, the, ra- the race craft with those three drivers – that is what you want to see. It was respect for each other. They were back and forth. A driver would make a deep move to the inside. They would go inside out to try to go side, you know, going side by side out of the corner. Really, when, when if you stand back and look at the race between Guard, Drew, and Avancino, that's pretty much all you could ever want because there was hardly any contact and they just raced hard. Yeah, it was the same on the dry and the wet, <laughs> you know, because like on uh, on Sunday when the rains came, uh, it was it was the same guys who were, who were there battling again uh, for the victory in the final. Set the stage for for that rain race, David, because it really wasn't a rain race. It started. It appeared, and we were calling it that maybe the rain wasn't even going to come in until about four o'clock, and the seniors went off, you know, was not even two o'clock when they were on the racetrack. So um, maybe, maybe it was two o'clock, right about two o'clock, but it wasn't until four. Well, all of a sudden the rain starts coming. They're on the racetrack. It's dry. Hannah Greenmeyer out to the lead again. Now, not a massive lead. They were right there with her, but then she started to pull away a bit. And then the sprinkles came and they're on slicks, slick Bridgestones. And it started to rain. That was fun to watch as they were all trying to figure out exactly just how much grip uh, was still there because it was changing with every every corner, not even, not even every lap, every corner. Well, that was the one thing that uh, Andy Saisman said in the driver's meeting yeah. and made sure everybody understood was is the race is going to go on no matter what. There's not going to be no red flag for everybody to come in and change tires. It's you You start the race with what you have. If the rain comes, you need to be able to drive and and manage uh, the the weather conditions. And so that it was great to see it happen in senior. I would have hated to have seen it in mini or all that, you know, where all all the parents get involved and get crazy about it. But it was great to see in senior because we got to see these these drivers step up and be able to show different, uh, you know, the the way they could get the, the way they could handle the conditions. Because like you said, it went from dry to wet, and then with what maybe five laps ago it, it it was there was enough wind and and the rain had stopped for it to dry out again so every, everybody kind of went back to uh, what i think maybe 80 90% of the of the dry lap time well you know and and Andy had said it and i'll I'll coin his term i believe and it's let's don't quote me perfectly but his his line was adjust your speed accordingly <laughs> you know you can't go through turn number 1 flat out in the dry well, you can't go through turn one at X amount of speed when it's wet either. So adjust, you know, you adjust your speed to turn one in the dry, adjust your speed to turn one in the wet. And I think you're right. I think we, when the storm came, it was a perfect storm because it came during a category that we would have expected them to show the racecraft. And I think you're exactly right. It, it was dry to the start. Then the wet came. Drivers were, you know, heading to the outside of the, of the lane, trying to get their bodies leaned over to get some weight up on the, on the uh, outside front tire. Hannah Greenmeyer made just one mistake and dropped the wheel in turn three. She went off and had to get back. She dropped a fourth. Um, at one point, I think we were 24 seconds off the 
regular race pace. The fast laps they had turned at the start of the race, 24 seconds. It was that the rain was coming down that much. But when we got back, David, you know, when it started, those last five laps, it, every lap was two or three seconds faster than the one before. You know, at one point, I think we dropped five seconds in one lap uh, as the guys, as, as the track was drying up, if we're finding a dry line again. Um, in the end, it came down to this incredible battle with Michael Evansino and Jake Drew, and Jake had a monster final lap, and they actually, Avancino looked like he was going to be good coming out of turn number seven, which leads over to, you know, eight down to the bottom of the helipad and through tic-tac-toe, or tac-toe-tick, as you say. But Jake Drew got a monster run through tic-tac-toe, and the run up to turn 12, <laughs> you knew it was going to be exciting. Final lap. It, it was exciting. And like you said, you know, kind of looking at the lap times, the – the uh, the beginning lap times were about uh, uh, it just were getting into the fifties, and then all of a sudden the rain hit, and then uh, yeah, like you said, almost twenty seconds off off the normal lap times, and and as Drew was was running down Avancino, he got back down to a fifty two, and then you know again the, the certain parts of the racetrack were, weren't quite as as dry as the others, so it was it was fun to see, and then like you said, the the drive to the to the last. On the last lap to the last corner, you knew Drew was going to go go for it no matter what because that again that's what uh, you know all these drivers were doing on 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 Sunday. Yeah, Drew was to the inside fairly early as they came into the, you know the breaking zone of turn number twelve. He got to the inside, and it, it's interesting. I wonder if, if Michael Avancino in his mind is like maybe I should have checked up and did the over under because Drew was coming in so hot that he may have pushed off wide, but. Evans, you know, tried to roll the outside. There was a little bit of contact, some side-by-side contact. You know, I haven't seen him up in the air, off to the racetrack. I think he did a full 360 and came back on and finished. Uh, and on the podium, uh, Bajoy was able to get through. It was just uh, one of those final laps. Everybody on the on the, uh, on the the fence screaming and yelling, high-fiving. It was just a great finish to a, an awesome race. Yeah, he he did pull a three sixty, uh, get it going off the. I might have been two actually been. because I think he might have done he might have done one after he got hit and then after he went into the uh, the the wall did another three sixty and then continued on and luckily they had enough gap where uh, Avancina was able to crawl across the line second right. and Garg was was third as he was he was able to hold off uh, a charging Greenemeyer who who got back on the racetrack and. And uh, was able to finish, but still a fourth for her, and not exactly where she wanted to finish. But you know, again, just just that one mistake cost her, and, and obviously, we'll we'll probably haunt her until next year. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's look at the champion, uh, Jim McKinney. wasn't really on pace in terms of being able to get on the podium. He had had four straight podiums coming in uh, to the finale at Sonoma after that sweep of the weekend in the opener at Phoenix. Had two podiums uh, at Calspe. But really did have have a decent run. He didn't have a lot of speed on Friday. Struggled a bit on Saturday, but came alive uh, on Saturday for the main event and got a good finish. Uh, and then at that point, it already really secured the championship. But uh, you know, in the end, a good overall three event performance for Jim McKinney as he'll represent Coda at the Rock Cup International Final as the champion for 2018. Yeah, stuck throttle actually as the rain hit. So that kind, I think he might have been. You know, obviously, he was probably one of the more experienced drivers in the field, so he might have been a, a factor come uh, the end. But uh, the actual the, the the throttle stuck at the chassis where it uh, where it connects there on the chassis. I think the the connector spun somehow and and uh, jammed jammed the throttle wide open and just went straight off into the wall. Luckily, unhurt. But uh, yeah, 
not exactly the way he wanted to end his championship run, but uh, a champion he is. So that that that's what he was uh, gunning for. So a big field in our Rock uh, Junior class, but really the the discussion all about the the two Torgerson brothers and Ugu Ugu Chukwu as the three of them really battle it out essentially every session throughout the entire weekend. Yeah, that was what we kind of expected to see. Uh, you know, the Torgersons were stepped up their game a little bit at Cal Speed. Obviously, Austin was able to score the victory in in Cal Speed uh, when Ugo had his issues. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we knew these uh, with the Torgersons having a lot of experience at Sonoma, we knew they were going to be fast there, and uh, and ended up being you know the Torgersons versus Ugo throughout pretty much every race session that we had. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about Saturday at first because obviously they were they were all running together at one point. Austin and Ashton got in front of Ugu, and he was kind of back there in the third spot. It was interesting. It would you'd have to be if you put yourself in Ugo's head. It's like a NASCAR race where he's battling against a couple of teammates. You know, he's in the middle of this group at the front, and there's these two teammates together, even though they're brothers trying to each trying to race for their own win. He's essentially battling against two teammates. It was tough. Yeah, anytime, yeah, anytime you go against teammates, uh, you're kind of out on your own. And but Ugo was was very calculated in how he approached the race. Um, we knew he was fast every every session. He was fast at the end of the race. Um, that's when he threw down his fast laps, and I think you could kind of tell, like it almost didn't look like he had it. But then he, would, you know, especially the one day he just charged right back forward and got caught right back up and was able able to lay down some fast laps and and score the victory talk a little bit about the the win and then the penalties that we saw afterwards well <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the thing about it is is we you know austin was was able to get away uh and score the victory on saturday but uh, a penalty for early contact with ugo uh was a two position penalty on austin thus giving ugo the win I didn't see the contact. You didn't see the contact. So it's hard to judge exactly what happened. And I, I'm, I'm really not going to go any further than that because I didn't see it. You know, yeah, I didn't either. The, yeah. You know, the officials made the ruling. It, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I don't think it had any effect on the championship because I think, you know, obviously with the way Ugo uh, performed on Sunday, you know, he, it was going to be his no matter what. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, I, I I didn't see it, so I I, I, just, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, that's, we really can't make any comment in terms of actually what happened. We were watching races. You know, you, you look back in the pack and, and and try to call some more racing in the back. You look back up front and and you've missed a call. Now, kudos to the race directors and the officials. They saw the call. They wanted to make a make a play on it, and you know that's that discussion you have. If it doesn't really affect what's going on on the racetrack, is it? A, is it? You know, do you still want to call it? I think yes. I think if you're trying to stop poor racecraft and bad contact, you call it regardless of anybody moves. You know, if you lose a spot and the guy gets it back, you still got to call the contact. So that did change things on Saturday. Ugachukwu and finished second ended up getting the race win on Sunday. David, it was pretty wild because there was some lap cars after an incident and put some guys further back. You know, Austin's leading. Ugo runs them down. Um, last lap pass. That's those are the kind of wild finishes that you see, but just some tremendous racing. Well, I think you said it on the broadcast. Ugo was, I think he he threw down I think five or six purple laps, yeah. so the fastest lap of the race at the end, trying to run down Austin. So that's where, again I think you know he was making 
almost he almost ran a conservative race where he's making sure he had enough at the end and knew he was going to be able to run down Austin. So it's just it was a very calculated race for Ugo. And I think Austin kind of got into trouble with some lappers. That didn't quite help him, but he also didn't quite have the the, the pace to uh, to run with Ugo one when Ugo did get there and and Ugo's pass just really caught him off guard and you could tell like as soon as Ugo got us alongside him he's like where did he come from almost <laughs> type reaction and so that was all Ugo needed to uh, to secure the victory. Well, I think one of the cool things is you've seen a couple of the rival of a couple of really great young drivers, Ugo Ugochukwu and uh, and Ashton Torgerson. and eventually Austin's going to move up to the the uh, you know the uh, the senior category. But it was fun to watch all of them uh, run this weekend uh, in Rock Junior. Let's cap off this segment of the race report again presented by VME Cart USA. Dave, let's talk about Rock Masters because the race up front in that category was absolutely stellar. There was a cool story as well of a driver really digging in and showing some perseverance and showing some inner strength. Uh, but first and foremost, Eric Jackson coming in on the VME and really, I don't want to say dominating because he got pressure pretty hard on Sunday, but really taking control, winning a couple of races, six straight podiums, and he ends up with the championship. Eric Jackson was just really impressive in Sonoma. Well, it was a championship performance and, and coming into the weekend with four straight podiums, adding his first two victories uh, obviously secured the championship for him. So, you know, like you said, it wasn't a dominant performance, but, you know, he almost kind of was a driver to beat uh, as the day each day kind of went along. And, and you could kind of tell that. And it just he just had enough to be able to keep everybody at bay and, and not be able to really put a challenge on him uh, in each of the finals. Uh, you know what, Jonathan Silva ran really well. Um, we've been watching him throughout this, uh, you know, 2018 season. He ran the the Scuse, uh, uh Winter Series. We saw him at the the Winter Nationals. Uh, he ran USPKS as well. He ran, I believe, he ran the Rock, uh, the Winter, the Florida Winter Tour. He's been doing a lot of racing, and he's really, I think, he's he's had a bunch of incidents. Uh, you know, he had a he had a couple of uh, of spills uh, at the USPKS race. You were out at Ocala. It just seems like I think a, a, a switch kind of flicked uh, at this at this particular weekend because he just calmed down. He was just relaxed in the opening couple of laps, settled in, was right there, you know, in third or second, was kind of following the guys and getting a good feel for what they were doing, you know, kind of just going to score to school, right? Where am I faster? Where can I get by? Able to get by uh, uh, Nick DeGraff, who was very impressive on the VME all weekend. Uh, but Silva on that comp cart really did settle in nicely. And I was real impressed with the way he went after Jackson over those final couple laps. He was the quickest driver at the end on Sunday. And I think a couple more laps, we may have saw a different result in terms of the race winner because Silva was very quick at the tail end uh, of that rock well, race on Sunday. the USPKS races that we did the weekend before, uh, I think he got maybe four laps total in both finals. So he obviously was able to uh, to <laughs> complete uh, – both on uh, at at challenge weekend and so uh, yeah it's just you know again he's a, he's a, a newer driver um you know jackson has a lot of experience obviously been a team usa member at the rotax program a couple of times now uh de graf is has been uh one of the top masters drivers throughout the, the the california programs so you know silva being kind of a newer driver to to the category he's obviously still learning but one thing that he is is he's very fast He's able to lay down those fast laps, uh, so now he's just he's kind of got to put it all back, put it all together, I think, and then uh, he'll be able to get uh, some victories down the road. 
And I think he's really got to kind of internalize and feel this past weekend and get a good and, and realize, man, the way I approached this weekend was the way I need to approach all the weekends. Get through cleanly for the couple, opening couple of laps and then go to work. He's got the speed. So just get through those the, the chaos of the first couple of laps, then go to work. Now, David, you know, you and I, from the very get-go, we when we were coming to the racetrack, uh, there was some stuff online, some social media, uh, where David Pergandi was talking about the fact that he had injured his ribs during Thursday practice. And anytime you see a master's driver in particular injure the ribs on a Thursday, you're thinking, you know, uh, this guy's not going to make it. There's no way he's going to go through to Sunday. In fact, dude, I honestly believe you were going to be driving his cart sometime during the weekend. I figured Dave was going to say, you know what, I can't do this. They're going to draft Cole. He's going to race. This is going to be cool. Let's give it up for David Pergande. He toughed it out all weekend long. Not only did he tough it out, put it on the pole on Saturday and was just badass fast all weekend. Well, there's one thing to be said. Uh, the guy's an Iron Man because I, I would I would have been out. Uh, you know, they kept the same seat in. I would have gotten a bigger seat. I would have gotten extra rib techs. I would have done everything yeah. I could to pad those ribs. But, uh, you know, much respect to uh, Mr. Brigandi for, for the job that he did. The soft shell, uh, maybe the nickname may stick, but, uh, you know, he was the Iron Man for the weekend uh, to, to be able to to, to – to be up there and, and battling, uh, you know, as you said, the pole position on one day and he was in the hunt pretty much both days, uh, a thrown chain for him on, on the Saturday final kept him out, out of the competition. And then, uh, just, just that opening lap skirmish, uh, on Sunday took him out of contention as well there too. So, but you know, he, he, I think he had probably one of the fastest, uh, rides there. Uh, thanks to Josh Huff. And, yeah, he obviously got dri- he got driven over in, at the start of the Sunday race, but he and Huff dug in all weekend long. They they did, and you know, so I it would have been good to see him uh, try and battle for the victory. But overall, you know, I think he he has to walk away from from the weekend knowing it was a positive weekend. When we saw David at the host hotel on Thursday night, I I, I called him soft shell because you know the guy's on the racetrack for the first day and breaks his ribs or hurts his ribs. So I thought soft shell was a good nickname. I don't think that nickname is going to stick because after what he did this weekend and how he toughed it out and how he dug it in, when, when I think anybody else would have parked it and said, you know what, I'm good. I, I got to get better so I can come back at the next major race. I'll tell you, he, I, he earned a ton of respect for me because that's – I've had ribs, injured ribs. I, I, I separated my, my intercostal cartilage at Rock Island, and I couldn't sleep for six months. So uh, – Soft shell, we're going to park that nickname because I'll tell you, an absolutely tremendous weekend uh, for David Pergande. So that uh, let's wrap that up. Let's wrap up our first three uh, race reports here. Again, race report brought to you by VME Card. After this break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk Rock Shifter. We're going to talk Mini, Micro. And we're going to talk Briggs. Stick with us. More to come here on the EKN Debrief. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing. What powers you? Since 2003... K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves, to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. 
We have an incredible lineup of K1 carding suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 carding gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit K1RaceGear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. Welcome back to episode number 22 of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. Again, we are breaking down the final weekend of the Challenge of the Americas. We were in beautiful Sonoma, California. And as we do this debrief, it's Rob Howden and David Cole bringing you our thoughts on the event. David, this is the Race Report brought to you by VME Cart USA. Let's jump into Rock Shifter. There really has been a fantastic program and class to cover all year long throughout the entire challenge. Just some really talented drivers. Very talented. Uh, a lot of uh, drivers that we've seen uh, each season uh, be among the best and got guys coming back to the roots, with, especially with uh, Alex Keyes coming coming back uh, to karting after a couple years uh, off uh, being a former challenge racer at, 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 during his uh, junior and senior years uh, in the sport. So, yeah, it's it's – I mean, everybody loves shifters, and and it's this this category was especially cool to watch. You know, for me to get guys like Hunter Pickett and Cabot Bingham coming out as well, there were some good was some good local contingent that really made it exciting. They did, and you know, it was you know even though guys were racing for the championship, it seemed like the the wins were a little bit more important uh, with with the type of field stacked field that we had there. Uh, probably anywhere between seven different guys that uh, that could have ran for the podium, uh, but uh, it ended up being uh, you know a split between Hunter Pickett and Alex Keys. Uh, Keys getting uh, the victory uh, on Sunday, Pickett on Saturday. For Keys, it was a, a, a championship clinching victory. Uh, so it was good to see, uh, see him, uh, come back and do that. And, and Nikki Hayes, who was quickest on Friday, we thought was going to be there throughout the weekend, just didn't quite have enough to, to battle with those two, uh, throughout the weekend. So he ended up getting uh, third on both days. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think he's is going to be interesting to, to watch at the Rock Cup International Final. Here's a guy with multiple race wins in the in the Red Bull Global Rally Cross uh, GRC Lights program. He's a talented guy, does a lot of karting, and I think that, uh, I think he'll be impressive at South Garda in October. I'll jump quickly into uh, Rock Shifter Masters. You know, Patrick O'Neill is a guy that really has a handle on Sonoma. It's his home track. Uh, he's run Pro Mazdas down at the big track. He does a lot of shifter cart racing in the Masters class at Sonoma. Uh, very, very quick. Kevin Woods was kind of the guy out of the box both days. It was He was the fast guy. But in the end, when everything shook down, it ended up being Patrick O'Neill, who was able to double up and score uh, two main event wins. On Saturday, um, Kevin Woods does end up getting in second. And Nick Firestone, who led the points coming into the weekend, uh, got a really good run to third, where his primary challenger, Calvin Chen, was back in sixth. So that kind of still put that championship. A number of the titles were actually clinched on Saturday. This one's still wide open, of course. Uh, when we get to Sunday, 
you know, again, Woods has some trouble, uh, but O'Neal up front, uh, Woods ends up going out. Calvin Chen drives up and ends up finishing second with Firestone in, in third. He's able to secure the title by just two points. It came down to the final race of the weekend for Calvin Chen. Yeah, just a, a fast lap on uh, award or or two positions in a pre-final. Right. You know, it's just it's tough to see something decide be decided that close. But that that you know the points system that Andy has in place it, it provides this type of drama. And you know, so fortunately, we were able to see at least one class go down to the wire. And uh, you know, for Firestone, he he, tr- he he was trying to run down Chen in those last couple of laps. And I think if he had maybe one or two more laps, he. He might have been able to challenge him for that second spot and the championship. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was a, it was a cool couple of laps at the end there. Let's move to mini rock, David. And always, you know, anytime we look at a series, you look at the the, the number of mini rocks, the entries in mini rocks, and the quality of the drivers because those are the guys that are going to become juniors and become seniors. If you've got a good field of minis, you know, you're, the next couple of years you're going to have a good field of juniors. And I think that's what we have here on the Challenge of the Americas. Uh, mini rock was a lot of fun. Logan Toke and Chase Gardner coming in, essentially battling it out for the championship, but they were both fast right out of the box. Yeah, Toke, uh, Toke paced the field on Saturday. Uh, looked like he was in position to maybe uh, grab a victory, but uh, Gardner came back uh, on in the final and was just kind of too strong. Clinched uh, the title with his second victory of the season. Uh, had scored enough points uh, throughout the first five rounds to uh, to be able to do that. Uh, Toke ended up dropping back, I believe, to fifth uh, with uh, Ethan, Ethan Nasamiento with uh, a first podium for him in the runner-up spot, and uh, Enzo Swan was third. So, uh, yeah, it was good to see, you know, there was, there was almost like five guys that were in the hunt throughout the weekend. Yeah, that was just an awesome race to watch. And, you know, Nassimanto was right in the battle there, as you said. Uh, Enzo Swan was right in there. They were just going back and forth. That was just a lot of fun to watch. But as you said, uh, Chase Gardner stepping up big time to win that championship. Essentially, had secured it with that that finish on Saturday. On Sunday, again, uh, you know, Logan uh, Logan Toke and and Gardner pulled away. Uh, obviously, you know, a little bit of rain there made it exciting as well for those drivers because the rain did come hard. But in the end, it was the Canadian driver Max Pankowitz who handled the rain. Everyone else slipping and sliding all over the place. Pankowitz was just banging out those laps, and I think there were one ten point fours or something like that but every lap was the same he wasn't the fastest guy at the end they were coming to catch him but every lap he just hit his marks and never once did he make a mistake no the no mistake he actually had i think his brother spin out in front of him while trying to lap him one time and just continued <laughs> on and didn't didn't make a a move and just just was able to keep keep fending off everybody because uh, everybody else just just made mistakes on their own. So uh, it was a great, great to see him in his, in his uh, series debut to come out uh, and, and show the way in, in the rain. Yeah. Logan Toke ending up in second in those challenging conditions and Chase Gardner finishing up third on the podium to win the championship in mini rock. Did have a couple drivers in the micro rock, rock category. Nico Sarfati made his uh, debut with the series, a local driver winning on Saturday, Gage Jarvis sweeping the uh, races on Sunday, to score the championship in the Briggs category, not a huge field as David had said. Ashton Torgerson winning in junior uh, over Tuesday Calderwood and Cooper Becklin. Austin Torgerson wa- walking away uh, with the race win uh, on Sunday. Justin Gortz finishes second. Ryan Martin actually did not run the race uh, on Sunday afternoon. David, let's move quickly into the EKN Trackside Live calendar presented by Klotz Lubricants. Uh, we're what just 
two or three weeks away from the Supercarts USA Pro Tour heading to the Spring Nationals, Phoenix Kart Racing Association for round number two of the Scusa Pro Tour. Uh, May 18th, 19th, 20th, David will be heading to the WK Manufacturers Cup Series event at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex in Wampum. Uh, we got lots going on in June and July as well. Uh, I'll be heading to the Texas Pro Kart Challenge for a night race at the North, uh, North Texas Carters event uh, in uh, in Denton, Texas, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. I think, that's a, I think it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday because we're running at night. Uh, WK Manufacturers Cup. David, you're heading to, to uh, Concept Haulers Motor Speedway. They've moved the race to Norway for July 13th, 14th, 15th. Yeah, it'd be uh, old school, going old school type uh, facility. Yeah. Again, it's, you know, it's got a great, it's a great layout, you know, a little bit on the rougher side, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's a, a facility that's been part of the uh, sport for a long time, and, and it's good to see that WK is going to do that uh, and continue to, to support those uh, local tracks. All right, David, about a minute left in this broadcast. Let's wrap things up from the Challenge of the Americas or Championship Weekend in Sonoma. Overall, your thoughts on our trip up to Sonoma? Uh, you know, it, you know, anytime, you know, like we said, we love going to Sonoma. The racetrack provides some great racing, um, no matter what the category, shifter, the senior, junior, minis, even Briggs sometimes when we get a big enough field. Um but, uh, you know, it was great to see uh, the champions crowned on the weekend. We got to see uh, seven, seven drivers uh, earning the titles. Six of them now uh, going to get tickets to go to the uh, international final at South Garda uh, to be part of Team USA and uh, the CODA team. You know, so that's something that Andy's, I think, pretty pumped up. Uh, you know, going last year, didn't really have any of his quote-unquote drivers there you know obviously still part of team usa but uh, now they're coded drivers that are going to be there so i think that'll be cool to see overall good numbers in the series as we had detailed at at the top of this uh, podcast where the numbers were in rock in the rock categories at least kept going up every weekend i think that speaks well uh, for potential more growth for 2019, you know, they've essentially got, uh, you know, Garrett Potter and the whole Rock Cup USA crew have nine months to continue to build the the, uh, the driver pool, continue to expand their program and, and, you know, lay roots for the Rock Cup series as it's just slowly growing uh, throughout the United States. And I think that when we look forward to 2019 and the Challenge of the Americas, when it kicks off in Phoenix, David, it's going to be uh, another, you know, jump up in terms of participation. Uh, yeah, that and that. You know, like we talked about already, the numbers are kind of showing that already, uh, you know, and the work that they're going to do over the next nine months uh, to, to continue to promote the series. You know, obviously, there's a lot of teams that were part of the challenge for a number of years that weren't there this year. You know, maybe they'll look at the numbers overall this year and, and maybe they'll some, have some of their customers say, hey, you know, I want to go back there. You know, it's a great program. Great people who put it on, you know, obviously with Andy and his whole staff that that uh, are behind it. You know, they just uh, they love they love what they do. Uh, they do a great job at it. And everybody continues to keep going back. That's about right. Ladies and gentlemen, that caps it. Episode number 22 of the EKN Debrief. David Cole and I going over the Challenge of the Americas Championship Weekend from Sonoma. Thank you so much for joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. On behalf of David Cole, this is Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>